turn, if you will, to John. And I'm going to do a uh, theological study with you today, not necessarily a verse by verse. I want to try to unpackage a concept for you that's in the book of John. And uh, let me read John 1, 12 and 13, and then I'll read where we were last week, John 3, 16. But just notice this key condition for becoming a believer. Speaking of Christ coming to the world, and as a whole, they did not recognize him. But he says in verse 12, John 1, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, Jesus Christ, and here he qualifies what's receiving him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So to receive Christ is to believe into Christ. Now, let's go to John 3.16, that classic overwhelming passage that says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son condition that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 36, into the chapter. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son, and I take that to be interchangeable here with believe, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And I believe in the Gospel of John, it's like a hundred times he emphasizes, believe, believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. Acts 16, 31, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Over and over, believe. But here's the issue I'm going to deal with. Uh, Jesus, when he came, the audiences that he talked to, none of them were atheists. There was more religion per square inch in the city of Jerusalem when Christ was here than anywhere on the globe. And it was not only among the Jewish people, but you had the Romans who named their emperors gods. Then you had the Greek world that worshipped so many uh, gods. The pantheon was full. They were full of religion, full of religion, full of religion. Of course, the closest to the true religion was Judaism and uh, true believers, Anna and Simeon and, uh, you know, the apostles that he called to himself. But religion was all over the place. And so today, when you talk to people, you say, uh, what's your belief? Oh, I'm Catholic. Oh, I'm Protestant. Or I'm Jewish. Or I'm Muslim. Or okay, got the belief department covered. I've named you what belief I'm of or what group I belong to. And so you have people that uh, you'll ask them, do you know Jesus Christ? Oh, I've always believed. 
You've always believed what? I've always believed that I believed. Oh, okay. So you've got faith in faith. And so the whole concept of faith gets kind of muddied, and you'll see people, uh, let's say, come to a Bible church. They've got to be in sympathy with what we're about. Who in the world would want to show up here for entertainment? Especially this part. Uh, and so, what do you mean? And so, I'm going to look at at least nine thing, kinds of faith that will not save you. Uh, it, it, just, it just won't work. Because look in your notes. Do you have them there? Okay. I do that when I'm going to give a lot of detail, and I don't want to lose you. And I know you won't throw these away, but you'll file them, study them, pray over them, and, and in no way lose them. Uh, that uh, when you look up the basic word for faith or believe uh, in the New Testament for sure, and it pivots right off the Old Testament usage, uh, the word had the idea of reliance, trust, uh, believe, uh, believing into someone, believing in Jesus Christ. Uh, it meant to entrust or commit oneself to. Christ would not believe in men. Uh, John 2 says, or he wouldn't entrust himself to them. And so we get these nice definitions, uh, but I think a wonderful acrostic that uh, will serve you well, and just write it down there for faith. This is one, I, it's been around for years, but it's accurate and it's good. Here you go. Forsaking all, I take him. Faith in Jesus Christ is really a declaration. I, he's not one of equals. He's not like in many Indian religions or even pagan religions all over the world. We'll just add Christ to the pantheon. Oh, I take him, or do you give up them? Oh, no, I add him to them. No, true biblical faith is I abandon hope in all others, and I forsake all trust in all others, and I take him. Jesus Christ. I think that's a workable definition for us. Forsaking all, trust in myself, trust in my works. Forsaking all, I take Christ. Now, let's uh, see. There's three key ideas. The reformers came up with this. Three ideas in this word for faith. Uh, they called it nosia, essentia, and fiducia. And the first one was Faith is always based upon a true knowledge of something. I can't believe in what I don't know about. So just, oh, it's just a blind leap in the dark. No, it's not. No, 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 no. That is not faith. That might be insanity. See, and that's why people paint Christianity as mindless. Well, you got to believe something. You got to believe something. No, 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 no. No, the something better be true. See, you can have strong faith in a termite-infested bridge, and that will not make the bridge hold you. No matter, I believe it, and uh, believe it as you plunge. And sing on the way down, I believe in every... Because uh, believing something doesn't make it true. Right? But weak faith, weak, trembling faith in the Bay Bridge will hold you. My sister Ruth and I would ride in the back of the car 
when my folks used to go over the bridge, and we were fascinated. Did you ever ride in the back of a uh, seat of a car as little kids, and you thought those towers were going to cave in on you any moment? You said, huh? You know, will we make it? See, our faith had nothing to do with whether the bridge held. Right? So uh, we made a billion like, like this. The bridge still held. A lot of people going to heaven like this. I don't know if it'll get me through, but guess what? They'll be there. Because God does keep his promise. He will save you if you put your faith in Christ. J. Vernon McGee used to hate to fly. And in his day, uh, he'd fly twin props from L.A. to Arizona where he did Bible conferences. And he tells the story of flying over there one time and got into turbulent wind. And the thing was, plane was going all over the place. Kind of like when you fly into Denver. It really gets rocky. And uh, so he, this twin prop was all over, and, and McGee said he was scared to death. And he said he looked across the aisle, and there was a guy snoring. And he said it, it, it ticked him, and he said, when I get off this plane, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. How dare Who, who do you think you are? So they, they got into Phoenix, and, and McGee, uh, the bold guy he is, he went up to him and said, hey, hey, he said, are you aware of the turbulence we just flew through? Are you aware we nearly went down? And I'm a nervous wreck over here, and it bugs me that you were asleep nearly. How can you do that? He said, oh, oh, oh. He said, I flew this plane in World War II. He said, I flew it all the time. He said, there was no wind going to bring it down. I know what the plane can do. You see, we both had security, but only one of us had assurance. There can be a lot of folks land in heaven, especially those who think you lose it five times in the meantime. They're going to land up there, and by the time they're in heaven, they're going to say, well, by George, I made it. <laughs> I made it. Because you won't get to heaven because you get strong faith. You get to heaven because the object of your faith is right. It's the object you trust that saves, not how strong you believe, Right? Amen, anyway, even if it's hypocritical. That's all right, do it. Anything to get me going. Two, I have knowledge. I assent. Something, I resonate. Yes, I assent. Uh, this will work. Um, and then I'm going to rely on it. I know the facts. I've given assent within. And now I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust myself to it. So saving faith is knowledge of the Savior. It's assent and its reliance upon it. Now listen to what Packer says. Faith is a whole soul response involving mind, heart, will, and affections. Faith is an object-oriented response. I'm trusting what he said he will do, shaped by that which is trusted, namely God himself, God's promises, and Jesus Christ, all set forth in the Scriptures. It's this wholehearted trust in the person of Christ. Now, we get different kinds of faith in the Bible, and let's take a little quick journey. I hope we can move through the nine. I want to get to the positive. Um, let's look at Matthew, okay? You, you got your Bible there, right? And we got pew Bibles. We don't give them. Return it if you've stolen one. Uh, Matthew 7, Jesus is describing false prophets they come to you like ravenous wolves. And then he gives a very simple illustration 
of verse 17, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What is he saying? True profession will be authenticated by true expression. Uh, the life of the tree, what, you got any fruit trees in your backyard? Not the orange or citrus, but let's say I got an apricot tree. It looks as dead as it can be. You won't even know it's alive until about April. The blossoms start coming out. And then you really know it's alive about June when it starts putting out fruit. And I've had a three blank years, another year, and it's going to be firewood. Because <laughs> I want fruit. I'm not just trying to water the plant. I, I want the fruit. So he says, hey, you'll know the real thing by the fruit, the product born. Second of all, profession without possession. Look at 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I attend Valley Bible Church will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a little perversion, but, you know, Lord, Lord, they got the right language. I call him Lord. I got the right title. But the one who does the will of my Father who's, on, who's in heaven. But in that day, many will profess, Lord, I know you. Lord, I know you. And it's going to be amazing. I, wow. I, I think for much of history, the majority of clergy have never known Christ. You'd be amazed at how many pastors of various denominations don't even know Christ. And they're going to get there, but I pastored first so-and-so. I pastored. I did this. He said, I said, I've never known you. You, you had a religious vocation, but you never knew me. It was just another vocation, and you ran a franchise for God called a church, but you never knew me. Um, Faith without obedience is number three. Look at here at verse 24. He concludes the world's most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount. He who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Notice, he hears these words and does them. Then verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the storm came, the rain came, and great was the fall of that house. Um, if you ever read the book of Ezekiel, there's a disturbing description that Ezekiel was such a magnificent prophet that it says in his prophecy that people came to hear him prophesy as you would go hear a uh, minstrel band play they were fascinated at hearing Ezekiel prophesy. Do you ever, uh, have you ever gone to a place, uh, I can't go to bars too easily, that's kind of hard, but uh, it's the closest thing to drive me to, it was just to hear live bands. Because I always loved to watch the guitar players and the band, what they did. Uh, and other just say, oh man, isn't that good? Look at what, uh, uh. 
I'm not going to do anything the guy said. I didn't go there for that musician to have any say in my life. Perform for me. I want to admire you. And Ezekiel said, they admired what I prophesied, but they never did it. And so here he, Jesus comes to the end of his message, says, you may admire my sermon. It's only the man or woman who does it that builds their life on the rock. So authentic faith results in doing what the Lord says. That's fair enough, isn't it? It just it results in that. Uh, let's say uh, temporary faith. Turn to Luke, Luke chapter 8. You can find it also in Matthew 13, but Luke 8 says it clearly. Just different kinds of faith that uh, does not seem to save. The four soils that he's telling the parable about, and he picks one of them, verse 13, 8, 13, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, they have no root to them. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. Did they get saved and then they lost it? He only mentions one soil out of the four that really bears fruit. The others are, they believed it for a week, believed it for a month. I've had people in this church that believed it for four years and then washed out, went away. have never seen them again, as it were. What is it? Uh, is the gift of faith that God gives you just temporary and a little bit of a trial, a, uh, a husband that's an unbeliever and, and won't go to church with you or this and that? You see, if we were in biblical times where people lost their families, Many of them lost their properties. They were persecuted immediately, as soon as they were baptized, for sure. Persecution usually followed their confession of faith. In the United States, in the Christian nation, where we've been blessed and protected for so long, there's hardly any big stigma except your, your friends say you don't party with us on the weekend. But that's not too bad. Saved you a lot of money. You know, it takes a lot of money to be a good sinner. Just the bar bill alone. You know, you ever go in there and say, I'll have water, and, and, and the waitress nearly spits in your spaghetti? They make the money on the booze. But just being a Christian, think of all the things you don't need to find peace and satisfaction. It's a lot cheaper to be a Christian, so give in the offering. Um, then... Um, Let's just keep on. Go to James 1. I hope you're writing these down because we're going to test you at the end of the service. James 1, towards the end of your Bible. Look at what James says uh, in the church uh, about the Word of God. Verse 22, 122, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Authentic faith is more than hearing. It's doing. You hear it, you do it. Um, you know, I, you, you all know my, my roots and what I came, uh, the people I got saved with and ran with, uh, fireball Pentecostal people. 
Uh, well, then I go to school, I, uh, I, I, I get a master's, and I get all these degrees, that kind of stuff. And so you get all this more knowledge, more knowledge. And it wasn't uncommon in the schools I was in that they were not a part of this group, and they could point out their faults and what was wrong and that kind of thing and where they missed this and that. And I used to think, how in the world was I so happy back here? Why was I so happy knowing less? Because I grew up with a group, they didn't care how much you knew as much as they cared about how much you practiced. And the joy is in the doing and not just in the knowing. Sometimes what you know can really beat you up. Said, I know a lot more than I'm doing. Have you ever heard the line, my knowledge has outrun my obedience? You're right about everything, but you live like hell. And nobody believes you've got the real thing because it's not doing anything for you. When did you quit whipping your wife? I never did. Well, good. I'm glad you said that. When did you stop anything? Do you still steal? No, I just got a religious itch on Sunday. When did this gospel work in your life? My dad grew up with outlaws and Indians, and his father was born 1880, Cherokee Strip. So there's nothing but Indians. Uh, you had Choctaw, Cherokee, Seminole, because he grew up in Cherokee County. Jesse James, my grandfather knew Jesse James and these outlaws. They hid out in these hills of Oklahoma, mean, wicked people. And I asked my dad, how'd you know if anybody ever got saved? Because you only had a Methodist circuit-riding preacher that rode back in the hills once a month. An old Methodist preacher just came back there. And in the meantime, all the women in the area, none of the men were Christians. They were bootleggers, killers, cattle rustlers. It was all the women that went to the schoolhouse on Sunday and prayed for their wicked husbands. I said, how did you know if anybody got saved? Oh, he said, well, it was easy, especially if it was a man. I said, how, did, how was that? I said, well, their wife healed up. I said, their wife healed up. I said, oh, uh, we beat our women. When you get drunk, you'll beat up a woman easy. He said, children started being fed because they didn't, weren't at the still and always drunk. They began to feed their children. Oh, yeah, I said, we knew when they got saved. It wasn't just a little dose of, I got my religion for the day. It was life-changing, life-changing. And sometimes I wonder, how many kinds of born-again people are there? I meet one crowd, well, I'm doing everything I used to do. I said, you're not born again, well, you're, you're legalistic. No, I'm saved. He delivered me from the things I used to love. And if that's never happened, just say, God, please save me. I want the real thing. And it will change you inside out. New appetites, new desires. Well, let's keep going. You don't get to fill out the notes when I preach. Uh, look at James 2.14. James, we don't have time. Get uh, Dave Hurtado's sermon on this. Uh, he's describing the faith that is, not, is worthless. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Absolutely not. If your faith doesn't work, it doesn't work. So saving faith will always give evidence in 
good works. Uh, notice, uh, if you go to 7, faith that does not act in compassion. Verse 15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And I think a good proof of saving faith, saving faith will act. It will not just look on need, it will act. It, it, it's, a, it's a doing faith. It's not passive. Uh, then, 2.17, he talks about a dead faith. A faith that has no works is dead. It's just, it just not the kind that saves. And then here's what's scary, verse 19, or 18, let's take it. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Hallelujah. They're atheistic. They're right on. I believe in God. Do you ever have people? I believe in God. Must be going to heaven. Can you believe in God and not go to heaven? Verse 19, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now, to know that it's no big deal to admit that God exists. There was never a demon that met Christ on the earth that denied he, that he was Christ. And do you remember when Satan tempted Christ? He never did say, uh, I doubt you're the son of God. He said, since you are, turn the stones into bread. I wish I could be tempted that way. Ain't no way I can do it. Have you been tempted lately to turn stones to bread? No, that's not a temptation to you because you can't do it. It was a temptation to Christ because he could do it. And the devil knew he could. And the devil said, just jump off this, jump off this cliff. Angels will take care of you. He knew he was God. And in the Greek it says, since you are God. The if is a condition in Greek that implies it's true. Since you are God, do these things. So, being orthodox uh, doesn't mean you're saved. So let's go on. I make a little uh, indentation here for you about the Reformation, 1500s, Martin Luther, John Calvin, uh, Melanchthon, oh, Zwingli in Switzerland, uh, all the 1500s uh, upset with Roman Catholicism, and Luther being an Augustinian monk and a devout Catholic priest, uh, he was outraged that uh, they were trying to raise money to uh, remodel St. Peter's Basilica, so they sent an uh, Italian priest up to Germany to collect the money for St. Peter's Basilica. And they sold indulgences, that if you'll give an offering, uh, we'll either give you indulgence or we'll take off time in purgatory. And this was the big selling feature. Well, uh, the German boy was greatly upset and enraged. He was pastoring. He was teaching at the university there uh, in Eisenberg, and he was upset by this. And out of this came this great furor that swept over Europe, and it was this big issue over works and faith. And uh, the Roman Catholic position says this, that uh, 
faith plus works equals salvation, or the word justification, just think of the word justification. Here now, I, I don't want to dumb, dumb you down. Justification is the Latin word for righteousness. Okay? Just remember that. When you see justification, we're saying, how can a man or a woman be right with God? That's what we mean. We use the word saved. How can I know what is the thing I have to do to be accepted in the sight of the judge of the universe? How can this court ever declare me right? And Luther, Galatians, Romans says, by faith alone can you be right with God. But it's faith, not in faith, not faith in creeds, faith in Jesus Christ alone God can say you're in the right in the court of heaven for Christ will have paid for all your sins and earned you a righteousness you could never achieve yourself. We can never be perfect. We all are falling short. So now I'm boasting of a righteousness that Luther said is alien to me. It was not inherent to me. He imputed, he gave me credit for the righteousness of Christ. And so I stand before God, I am righteous in your sight. Well, you just got through sinning. I'm not righteous because I just got through sinning. I'm righteous because I put my faith in Christ, and Christ bought me a righteous standing with you by grace alone. That's what New Testament salvation is. Now, Rome says you've got to believe plus good works, do the good works, and that equals salvation. It sounds nice, sounds good. Uh, but it becomes meritorious. i got to add something to the good works. That's why we resist those who say you've got to be baptized in order to go to heaven. No, you don't. Paul preached the gospel in 1 Corinthians 1. He said, I preached the gospel, and I baptized only three people at Corinth. You're saved by the gospel, not by water baptism. 1 Corinthians 1. Now, the Protestant position was this. Faith in Christ brings about justification plus works. In other words, he'll give you a righteous standing before God, and he'll give evidence in you of doing right kind of works. Because he said in Titus 3, he saved a people to be zealous of doing good works. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. I could do nothing to be my father's son but let me tell you, there's a whole lot of things I had to do to act like his son. And he was there to teach me how to do it. Did you ever pull that line Well, the other boys are doing it? You're not the other boy? I'm not the other boy's dad. Get in here. I'm your dad. I'm, I'm teaching you how to act. But I don't want to act like you want. I know it. And, and it just seemed to make you cooperative. Now we say he's got ADD. We all born with ADD. We don't want to pay attention. <laughs> Big deficit. And so God trained you, but you did nothing to bring about the birth. But we want to say that this is a great line. You want to remember this. Faith alone saves. You got that? Faith sola scriptura, scriptures alone. Sola fiducia, faith alone, sola gracias, grace alone. But here it is. Faith alone saves, but the faith that saves 
is never alone. You didn't get it, did you? Faith alone saves, but the kind of faith that saves you will never be alone. It will go on to lead you to do all kinds of good works just because you love the God that saved you. Not to earn heaven. Not, uh, you know what? I think it is sickening to see people saved that are passive and lazy about doing anything for God. What's your problem? Have you been saved? Yeah. All by grace. Well, we know. It takes grace for anyone to save anyone like you. We know that. What are you doing about it? Well, I'm just coasting my way into heaven. That, that's no proof of salvation. Salvation produces this desire. I want to serve. I want to serve. Met with Howard Hendricks one time trying to figure out some life decisions, and, and we were talking at Mount Hermon, and he, he, he'd had me as a student, and I said, give me some advice. What should I do in this area and that? And he said, you know, Howard, having you as a student, he said, you know what you should have done? I said, what's that? He said, you need to become a firefighter. I said, that's interesting. My brother is a fireman. And I said, why do you say that? He said, uh, you love to put out fires. You love to do it all. And I thought about it. Yeah, I do. I love setting up, setting up chairs. I did it for years at Holy Ghost Hall. If it's for Jesus, who cares? Huh? I taught junior boys from 15 on. Became their pastor at 16. Come and usher. As soon as I got saved, my brother taught me how to put a knuckle grip and nearly break their arm and shake hands. Hand out song books. Close up. I, what do you mean? If it's for Jesus, don't you want to do it? Man, that was weak. We have coffee in the inner service. Get plenty of it. <laughs> and get a copy of the message. I, if it's for Jesus, I could love doing it. All the buildings that get set up around here, we get some godly men around. They set up chairs. Oh, that's so mundane. Hey, I tell you, the folks getting it done love it. Kids sit in those chairs. Somebody does it. What are you doing in the body? What are you doing? If you're doing nothing... I'm suspicious. I'm suspic What's going on? There must be some kind of distemper or spiritual health problem. Faith is never alone. It produces a changed life. Now, let's look at the kind of faith that saves. Number one, we're saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And this is not a work of our own lest we should boast. It is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. The idea is, since the new birth is supernatural, the faith to even embrace Christ, God had to give you. Some think everybody's got that faith. Well, um, i just leave it there. If they've got it, they sure never exercise it. It seems to be over and over in Scripture. Philippians 1.29, it was given to you not only to suffer for Christ, but to believe in Christ. Acts 13.48, uh, and as many as were ordained unto eternal life believed. Uh, that Peter says, add to your faith this character. 
God gave us the faith to receive the gift. It's amazing. It's all his work. Grace, faith, every man and woman's accountable. Do you believe? Don't you? That's no question. We'll be judged by that. But even those of us who are saved can't take credit that we were exceptional over those that didn't believe. God gave you in the salvation package the very ability to put your whole trust in him and abandon hope in anything else. It is a gift from God, so saving faith is never defective. It's God's DNA that he gave to you. You, how do you born yourself? God, he said, is the one that brought this birth. And this birth that came about, he gave the faith to even receive the gift. It's a gift to even believe. Divinely bestowed. God quickens people. Second point. Ephesians 2.1 says God sees men as dead towards him. And in chapter 2.1 and verse 5, he says, I quicken people. I make them alive. I bring them, as it were, from a corpse, from a grave, and I make them alive, and the first symptom of being alive is they believe. But I had to work on the corpse to even get it where it could even respond to God because I was antagonistic to God. I hated God. That is the most hurtful description of any of us. At one time, maybe we were at enmity with God, and the word enmity says we hated the God we now serve. I, it hurts me to say that because I can never remember uh, cursing Jesus Christ or uh, saying he wasn't God. I grew up around Christianity. That would grieve me, but he said it. I was his enemy at one time by my works and by my thinking and by my choices. I was opposed to God, and he overcame that animosity and conquered me at the cross and gave me the ability to believe him. And so I can't boast that I'm a Christian. Can you? I got this great faith. No, I got this great God. He, he intervened, for had I been left to myself, I would have perished. And then uh, go to Romans 4, and we'll try to just pick up some elements of saving faith that may be helpful. Romans 4. If I get done, I would be willing to take 10 minutes worth of questions if you have any. But don't ask us where the restroom is or anything like that, you know, pertain to the message. Uh, listen to Romans 4.4. 4. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Let me read 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. This is astounding. In justification, God does not charge me any longer with any of my sin. It's not charged. That's what he said. David, you all call him an adulterer. God said, I've already forgiven it. It's not even charged to him. 
a murderer. He picks Abraham and David. Justification, he eliminates all that you've done against God in forgiveness. And on the positive side, it gives you a righteous standing with God that you can never, never earn. Let's take these points. Let me read them off, fill in the blank. The justified one, and I put here, declared right before God, does not work. He does not work. It's not achieved by works. It's a free gift of God. Two, the justified one, all they do is believe. Justified one believes. Believes. Believes God. God saves, not them. Three, the justified one trusts not in himself, but in another. The trust is outside themselves, in God. Can God save you? He said he could. He said, if you'll put your trust in me, if you'll put your confidence in me, I will do what I'm promising you in the gospel. I will save you. I will save you. Fourthly, the justified one confesses himself to be ungodly. Uh, there, there's a stumbling block there. Many people say, uh, God wouldn't want me. I, I'm not good enough. I, I can't get good enough to become a Christian. No, no, no. You've got to admit you're bad enough. Are you bad enough to be saved? Bunch of self-righteous folks. You've got to admit you're a sinner. But isn't church where everybody plays goody, good, good, and we act like the, no, 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 no. This is the place where uh, Jesus was our last stop. He's the only place we could get righteousness. We couldn't get it by being religious. The last thing I'd be is in church if I didn't know him. Come on. I'd be out partying a little bit. Let's just boogie until we die. I ain't going to hang out in church and li listen to him talk about offerings and building programs and missions. No, 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 no. I, I think I could like drugs. Now, the highest thing I ever got on was aspirin because I didn't grow up with drugs, but you really get high on aspirin, you know. I don't blame people for doing drugs. I don't blame them for doing strong liquor. As much trouble in this world and as little escape as there is, where does a man escape? Where do you bury your sorrows, your marriage going apart, your kids breaking your heart? The sorrow, it's a hard thing to be alive in a fallen world. Where do you get relief? Drugs, alcohol, relationships, music, food, sex. Those are the human escapes. I, I got to get above it all. It's caving in on me. I'm the mother of three children. They all got the flu at the same time. How do you escape that? These walls are caving in on me. Where can I get relief? And outside of Christ, the world doesn't and get you hooked on prescription drugs. They, man, they got some liquor there that can knock you out quick. But you wake up to all your troubles. You wake up maybe in a pile of uh, steel and tires that you wrecked your car. 
you still get a divorce. Your kids are still, there's no real answer. It's just a sedative for a heavy, broken heart. And in my heart, forgive me if you don't like this for a path. I, I, I just feel pity for them in the change. It's the best they can do. But we got something better. We've got Christ, a brand new life, forgiveness, heaven, help. We've got the best thing in the world, and it's free. It's Christ alone. Why are we so quiet about such wonderful news? This is the greatest news, the greatest news. The justified one does not have faith in his faith. Faith in faith will not save you. I believe I am, so I am. Boy, that's nice for a Ph.D. in philosophy. But, you know, just because you think you're Caesar, you really aren't. If you go over to the uh, J Ward in Martinez, you'll find people there. They think they're everything, but they're really John Doe. They're not Jesus Christ, and they're not Caesar. And I've visited the J Ward, and when a man or woman loses their mind, they think they're a lot of things. You come to Christ, faith in him. Uh, the justified one sees faith receiving righteousness and not earning it. The justified one sees faith as er, or just receiving righteousness and not earning it. So, what is saving faith? It is saying, I forsake all trust, confidence in everything but in the good news about Jesus Christ, that he wants to be my Savior, that he died in my place. And he says, come, if you come, if you'll receive me, just believe I'm not lying to you. I will change your life. I'll give you a new life. And I'll turn you into something you can't imagine. Someday you'll work for me, not to earn a place in the family, but to just be so thrilled that God would let you be in the family. Saving faith. And I have to say that uh, in religious America that's uh, sinning more than they've ever sinned, uh, and with so much religion uh, on different blocks all over the world, what is saving faith? If all it takes is faith in Christ, well, there's all kinds out there. Is it a faith that works? Is it demonic faith? Uh, have you really put faith in Christ so that You've received eternal life, eternal life. I can't, I, I've got to take back the offer because I've got to take an offer and get five minutes. But I, uh, if there's two questions, if anyone's around, anybody got the courage to ask two questions? Anyone? I wish we had, if it was Sunday night, we would uh, do this more. You've got to speak very loud, Bill, so I can hear you. Uh, how can they be good for us? Uh, well, that's a great question. Uh, James 1, verse 2 through 5, says it matures you. It, it matures you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says it teaches you to be compassionate, that when God comforts you in your trouble, you're able to be compassionate to others. That's another thing. Um, I think that um, it, it works for good. It conforms you to the image of Christ in Romans 8, 28, and 29. 
So it conforms your character. It brings you to maturity. It, it quadruples your capacity for compassion because most folks are very uh, clinical about your problem until they have it. When they have it, uh, I found in this church, in the midst of the greatest trials I've had, I've, I've looked out and looked for the gray heads. I don't go to young people. I go to gray heads when I'm in trouble, when my heart's breaking, because they've had them, they've been comforted, and they're a great encouragement. That's why young people need to run around more and more with older people that have lived through trials, that have buried children. You know, I love my parents, me being coming on as a latecomer and, you know, the seventh child, because they'd buried kids, and they'd been through a depression, and they'd been broke, and they'd had so much trouble that I reaped all that experiential knowledge of how God got them through. It, it molded my heart, shaped it. Someone else, and then we'll prepare to take an, an offering. Someone else? of saving faith um, turning into the manifestation of works. Can you define works slash deeds? Uh, define works what? Slash deeds, what, what those things are. Oh, okay, turn to Titus. Glad you asked that. I planted these questions. Uh, look, look at Titus. Uh, i give you, and then you can work on it from there, Yolanda. Uh, look at Titus 3. And then we'll, ushers, prepare. We'll receive the offering. We'll get ready to do a good work. We'll take an offering. Uh, but look at um, verse 4 of Titus 3, 4. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Uh, then he says, avoid foolish debates. Then he goes down to verse 14. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. And I think if we tracked uh, the ministry of Christ, uh, widows, orphans, James says, uh, helping the poor, uh, serving in the body of Christ. Uh, uh, we need a third grade, let's say, uh, girl Sunday school teacher. Well, that's not a good work I'm interested in. Well, I hope somebody is. Uh, ushering, everything that, whatever requires, uh, it's like our deacons are looking at doing the lockup for all of our buildings. Well, they do much more than lockup. Man, they help people, they help all kinds of stuff. So I think it's a plethora of things Lord, you got me. Visit prisoners, help widows, orphans, give, missions. Oh, it's just on and on. I'm engaged at some, you can't do it all, but you're engaged at some point. Okay, let's pray. Father, 
we are struggling to meet budget needs in light of this economy, and you got us through uh, 2011 supernaturally, over and beyond, when we were in such a deep hole. And we're still in red ink. And Father, I don't want to preach on money every week. I believe in giving because I've received so much. But I ask that you'll multiply people who learn to give and to join the rest of us who are giving and make these offerings adequate. Uh, there were 60,000 or so off for this month. What do we do, Lord? I don't know what to do but to ask for your help. And, and pray that you'll give people income, give them jobs. We don't want to be insensitive to those who are having financial woes themselves. Let us, uh, but I pray, uh, Deliver Valley, uh, whether to pay off a mortgage or however, where we teach giving, but we don't meet to take an offering. We meet to preach the gospel. We, we meet to uh, proclaim Christ. We meet to lift you up and honor you. Please uh, supply the need. Uh, anyone here wanting to write a million-dollar check, let them do it. And anyone that wants to give a $20 bill, let them do it. Uh, all of it belongs to you. We're only stewards. And so uh, I just want to preach the gospel until I see you face to face. And I hope I can face this congregation and say with Jesus listening, I told them it was you, Jesus. I told them it was you that saves. I told them that it was you we promote that it's not good works, and, and there's no one so bad, so mean, so ugly, so terrible that the Lord Jesus cannot save them because his cross work was sufficient. Come, come to Jesus and receive the gift, the gift of eternal life. Bless this offering. Bless every giver. And that member among us who has nothing, please let some of us find out so we can bless them. We want them to eat. We want their children to be cared for. Oh, we don't want to be self-centered. We want to be sensitive to the needs of others for the sake of the cross. Amen.